Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Greetings and welcome to episode 260 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. My name is Barbara. What's happening, Barb? How are you? I am great. We're celebrating today, aren't we? I do believe we have a milestone this week. Yeah, and it is. <laughs> it is our five-year anniversary. Can you believe it? We've been Holy doing this. Shit. Yeah. No. Pretty much. We've been doing this for five years. Can you believe that in this five years, we have almost 230 hours of conversation with all the great people in our industry? And we still get along. <laughs> Sometimes. I say that anyways. I don't know if I believe it. <laughs> we have them all fooled. Yep, that's right. It's hard to believe that way back, what was it, April 1st of 2018 is when we released our very first episode. Whew. It's a long damn time ago, buddy. <laughs> I barely remember last year, let alone 2018. Yeah, I know. But I do remember the first 81 episodes were interviews that you broke up into two episodes because back then we didn't think we'd have any guests. Yeah. A lot of it, we really thought we would run into an issue of finding people. I know. And that hasn't happened. <laughs> no. I mean, within the, the second year, we determined that there's plenty of people. There's amazing yep. people in this industry, and everyone's willing to tell their story, and that's made our lives a lot easier on the podcast. And there's got to be at least five years more. Oh, easy. Easily of people easily. we Easily. They're to. all at IDS right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when they get back, we'll line them up. That's right. <laughs> but of course, as we celebrate yet another year of doing this podcast, we have to welcome back the guest that started it all. Yay. Renata Budney. So if you're not familiar with our five-time guest now, Renata is an associate professor of the restorative dentistry program at the New York City College of Technology. I bet you she's got a business card that's like eight inches long. I know. I've seen her credentials. <laughs> Why we hear a lot about a lack of schools or even schools closing Renata and her team run one of the most successful programs in the country. Heck yeah, she does. But of course, she doesn't do it alone. And this week, she's joined by two past students who are also current adjunct instructors. And they're also married, Oscar and Natalie Galvis. Oscar and Natalie talk about how they got introduced to the school and their experiences going through it. But it was both of them coming back to the school to provide the next generation of students with an education. That's when they fell in love. Yeah, that's so sweet. They talk about the program, the content they provide, also the lab that they own, and the balance they have to do to make it all work. And Renata, of course, updates us on the school, gives us all the warm fuzzies when she shares her passion for teaching. So join us as we chat with Renata Budney and Natalie and Oscar Galvis. If efficiency and performance are what you are looking for in a compact milling system, then the program mill drive from Ivoclar is the right choice for you. Produce precise zirconium oxide crowns and bridges, plus a range of PMMA materials, including the innovative iMotion material for the digital production of complete dentures. Ivoclar provides white glove delivery service, training, choice of service contracts, and their outstanding after-sales service and support, which we all know is super important. Contact your friendly Ivoclar sales representative today for lucrative promotions and to create a digital solution that's right for you. And as always, we appreciate your support of the podcast, Ivoclar. Hey, it's Candular from Switzerland. We have been designing teeth since 1936. Successful tooth design knows only one benchmark, your own standards and those of your patients. Discover our Toothline PhysioSet TCR with new 18 anterior molds, manufactured specially for the US market and your daily work at your bench. If you are looking for new options in removable, 
get to know us at candular.com and find out more. You will be supported and supplied by our authorized dealer, Edmunds Dental Supply. Candular, high end only. Voices from the Bench. The interview. It's, uh, it's like that in school, too. I, I hate calling roll call the first day because I get everybody's name wrong. I just embrace it and go with it. And five years later, Renata is still Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> We'd like to welcome back to the podcast, because it's been a year, for the fifth time, professor at the New York Dental Technology School, Renata Budney. How are you? Great. I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much. And congratulations to both of you, Elvis and Barbara, for the fifth year. Thank I'm you. very proud of you, and I'm just so thrilled to be here. I don't know if you saw, but today they released the digital copy of the February LMT magazine. You might have got an, a name mention in our article. Oh, yeah. Sweet. For celebration. Wonderful. I did receive the copy, but I haven't gotten a chance to look at it yet. Yeah. Uh, page 50, in case you wanted <laughs> to just go straight to it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll wait. We'll wait. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> And joining Renata is what I'm guessing are two past students and now professors at the school? Yes, our graduates. Awesome. Oscar and Natalie Galvis. How are you guys? Doing, doing well. Doing good. Doing good. Glad to be here. So did you guys meet in school? Yes, we did. <laughs> oh my God. This is such an adorable story. That's great. Yeah, it's a little backwards, but uh, yeah, we, we, met, we met at school. Yeah, <laughs> definitely met at school. Excellent. So Renata, we're going to get into you in a little bit about how the school's doing and, and all the updates, but I want to find out how Oscar and Natalie decided to get into this profession, and let's hear the love story that will soon be a rom-com come this summer. Aww. I feel like it could be. Definitely. <laughs> so Oscar, how did you decide this was the thing? It's a very long story, so I'm going to keep it as short as possible because I know we only have an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that Renata has more important things to talk about, about the, the dental uh, program, and we'd like to also promote that too. But long story short is I come from a family of dental people. So my mother's okay. a dentist, yeah. my father's a technician, my sister's a hygienist. I am obviously a technician, and so is my wife. Wow. So been involved in this since I was around a teenager. And the funny story is, is that you know my father being a technician for so long – his viewpoint was kind of, you know, I should become a dentist. I should become a dentist. So we kind of traveled that way in terms of the thought process of going to school. Uh, my mother brought up, uh, well, you know, if he doesn't like it, he can at least manage the business. So let him go to City Tech. It's about all that's left in your family as a front office administrator, right? Basically, <laughs> yes. Yeah, the only thing it's the only thing missing. So I remember that the first time we went to uh, City Tech in Brooklyn, it was like an open house thing. And who else, but no other than uh, Renata was there. She was able to give us like a private tour. And, you know, that was enough for, you know, me and my parents to feel comfortable enough. So uh, Renata was the first face I saw. And that was the trajectory of my life. Because from there, what happened, long story short, a bunch of degrees, a bunch of certifications. I ended up lecturing uh, internationally for a few companies. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm published in the IDT a few times and I own a laboratory. So I do all these things. I'm very involved in the industry. And more importantly, uh, I met my wife and I have two beautiful children. So pretty cool story, I would say. So basically you met Renata <laughs> and then all this great stuff happened and you didn't do any work in between. <laughs> so let's slow down a little bit. You went to the school for the dental technology because you mentioned your parents kind of wanted you to become a dentist. My father did as a technician because his experience as a technician was, you know, he felt like I would do better off as a dentist. He felt that the life that he lived, he didn't want me to live it kind of like a slave to the bench, quote unquote, very oh, old yeah. school mentality, you know? Yeah. So he said, oh, you have the grades, you have the brain, become a doctor, do your, do your thing. And my mother said, yeah, but you've started this business. And if he doesn't like it at bare minimum, he can manage it for you. So that was the thought process in terms of going to school. But ultimately, it was along the path. Actually, the whole time I was in school, it was the thought process was, yeah, still become a dentist, become a doctor. So I went to multiple different schools at a time. I was going to three colleges at a time, getting all my grades up and getting my degrees. And when the time came, the chairperson at the time was, I believe, 
Tony Cena. I took a CDT test. He saw my work and he asked me, he was, you ever thought about teaching? And up until that point, I didn't. That's how I ended up teaching was, was through him. But yeah, the, uh, the core in the beginning of who I became was, you know, that started on that open, that day of the open house, because that was the determination that, yeah, dentistry was going to be my field one way or another. So how far did you get to become a dentist? I mean, did you go to any, you know, I didn't even, I got to the point where I finished my bachelor's degree and then I had, okay. the, I had the opportunity and I said, uh, you know, I saw this hole within the industry in terms of, you know, people who were uh, willing to train, you know, the lack of formal education that existed in general, uh, a very shallow pool. I ended up working for corporate for a while, too, in a DSO. So it's kind of like I saw all these things happening. And I said, you know, there's there's a niche here that I can get into. And I started with denture work. And now I am... Um, know, considered an expert and I don't know how much of an expert, but you know, that's what they say. Uh, and dentures, digital and implants and full mouth rehabilitation. So we kind of found that niche. We do very well at the laboratory. I went, we went from only three people to 15 employees in the past two years. Wow. Wow. um, That's some nice growth. Yeah, we, uh, it's, it's pretty, even during that whole COVID. crazy COVID thing. <laughs> that's actually when it happened, believe it or not. We actually started doubling business three years in a row. Wow. So, wow. We, um, you know, we actually bought a new place. We're moving in a few months. We're expanding. So I can't have any complaints. And uh, all in all, like I said, I had met my wife, ironically, and she'll tell her side of the story. But uh, basically, I was interning right before I actually started teaching as an adjunct at the school and she was graduating. So I never really had her. I like to say that I was her professor, but I wasn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I remember seeing her and, and if anybody knows Natalie, she has very long, like luscious curly hair. So I saw her hair from down the hallway and I was like, oh, wow, that girl's really pretty. And then basically what happened was she came back on after she graduated as a CLT, who's the person kind of in charge of the stock, the materials for the students and equipment and all this, all these things. So she ended up working with me at the same time frame and we became friends and we actually took some continuing education at the school because at that time CAD CAM was up and coming. So we took some continuing education courses with Daniel Alter. Yeah. And, uh, we were friends first and then uh, here we are. I got, we just, our daughter is almost three and my son is a year and a half. Aww. Okay, Natalie, we're going to get yeah. to your story, but real quick, we got to check in with Renata. Is there a policy for professors dating students? Absolutely. Did they did they avoid <laughs> getting in trouble? A policy issue. Not <laughs> when it comes to Oscar and Natalie. All right. Well, course, you know, they were totally separate entities at the time, and it was, sure. uh, you know, they were working outside and in, within the college, so they were not associated as a student and a teacher, so that was a totally legal relationship. <laughs> All right. You, you avoided that loss. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. I did it. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> I just wanted to mention that Oscar graduated in 2009 and Natalie graduated in 2013. I double checked. Uh, <laughs> yeah, their relationship started later on in life. So, okay, good, good, good. <laughs> so, Natalie, tell us a little bit about your story. What led you to the college? My story is pretty short. I had attended a college previously, I got my liberal arts, my associate's degree, and then I transferred to City Tech. Um, as an undeclared major, mm-hmm. and I got an email from an advisor saying that it was time to declare a major. So we set up an appointment. I went to speak with her. So she was telling me about all these different programs, and she had mentioned restorative dentistry. So I said, what is that? So like many, as a child, I was always in the dentist, unfortunately, with cavities, and I had root canals done, and I had to get some crowns. I always gave credit to the dentist. Yeah, I had sure. no idea who made it, but... To me, it was the dentist who fabricated the crowns, and they did all the work. Yeah. So she explained to me what it was, and I'm like, oh, okay. Had no idea that existed. I was like, sure. I was like, you know, I'll give it a shot. I like working with my hands. So I applied for the program. I got in. I did my two years. And I graduated, and I ended up liking it very much. I enjoyed it. My favorite subject was dentures with the professors that I had, I liked it very much, you know, the positioning of teeth and, you know, having the ability to be artistic with the waxing mm-hmm. and making it look uh, as natural as possible. So after that, I graduated. I got a job at a lab close to my house, basically working in the office, receiving cases, billing, stuff like that. They never gave me the opportunity to be hands-on and do actual lab technician work. Right. Um, and then I was also offered 
a part-time job back in the program at City Tech as a CLT, as my husband mentioned before. Mm-hmm. So I was working there and we met and became friends and we got closer when we took that continuing education courses, CAD CAM. And then from there, I mean, <laughs> our relationship bloomed and uh, we got married and we had two beautiful kids and that's my story. So, the, so now the- I, you know, I was, uh, I work with him at the lab now and I was also working at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center for about three years. So at the lab now, you guys are specializing mostly in high-end dentures or dentures? We literally do everything. I kind of sh- just kind of maneuver throughout the whole place. Uh, ironically, you know, we it, through working at the school, we created a lot of relationships. And actually, I try to transition as many people who are interested in teaching as possible. So I actually have about five to six uh, adjuncts or professors that work at my lab with me. Wow. So we're kind of like a, a lab of education. We go out and talk to doctors, see patients. So we're very specialty in terms of helping doctors who may not feel like they have the experience to do large cases. And we come out, we talk to patients, and we kind of do the prosthetic version of treatment planning and things and help doctors out. Uh, but we have departments within the lab like any other lab. We run a little differently since we're so large production with 15 people, but we're also small because of the space we have. So yeah. we really focus on a little bit of everything. I think the only things that we don't do, honestly, are we don't fabricate partial frameworks in-house, and I don't do any orthodontic stuff. Yeah. But besides mm-hmm. that, we do everything. We do crowns, implant crowns, full mouth rehab, dentures, the whole nine, basically. So we offer everything. Natalie is more tied to the removable department, and I kind of float the entire lab and do or, or whatever I need to at the moment in time. Wow. So you guys are pretty busy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And you've got two kids and you both are running a company and technical. I mean, I know we all pretty much live. How do you guys balance all of that? <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's but, um, we manage it. We do it. Yeah, we're, I mean, luckily we have help. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I think that we um, we plan everything out. I'm a very, uh, I'm a plan person. I have everything. I have a three-year plan, five-year plan. I kind of know what's happening when. We schedule things around who's going to support us at the lab and who's going to be there. Mm -hmm. We have a a part-time nanny that helps us a lot. And overall, we just kind of find the space. You know, she teaches on Fridays. I teach on Tuesdays. And if we were teaching on the weekends and one of us stays home and watches the kids, we're constantly balancing and playing tag team with children. Sunday, we try to keep that as all four of us together. And um, we make it happen. But we have a good uh, support system. And uh, since my family's in dentistry, you know, I can rely on them at work and they help us there and with the kids when they can. And Natalie's mother uh, lives in a different state, but she constantly visits and helps when she's here. She's here for almost half the year or more. And so we have a pretty decent support system. And uh, we know we have goals in mind and we've reached all of our goals at a a very young age. And uh, we just sky's the limit really right now. So we constantly look to the future and we always give praise to the department. Renata and the other faculty, and we wouldn't be here without it. Uh-huh. Well said. So, is this the lab? Did your dad start it? Yes. He, and you actually, took over? Okay. He actually started the lab in my grandmother's basement. So, uh-huh. he, nice. my grandparents used to pick us up from school. We used to go up there. They'd feed us, make sure we did our homework. And my father was in the basement. My mother, actually, a testament to my mother, she was a professor at NYU hygiene for like 15 years, and um, she got offered uh, to go to dental school. Um, the dean offered it to her and she took it. So she became a dentist when she was in her 40s. Wow. You know, she was president of the Hispanic Dental Association. My mother's done a lot of stuff within the field as well. She's a professor. My sister was a professor too. So we are very much tied to education. My family is big into dentistry. And overall, you know, it was always going to be this. It was preordained. What can I do? <laughs> That's insane. Does your dad still work at the lab? <laughs> Everybody laughs when I say this, but yes. And uh, he's he's amazing at what he does. He's a great fixed guy. And now he's at the end of his career in terms of how many years he has left. He knows it. So he wants to step back. So effectively, he's become an employee of the lab. So he's, uh, wow. yeah, so he, he they make fun, you know, he, like, oh, I'm his boss. But uh, by all means, we work in a very team environment. And, uh, you know, I constantly ask him for his advice and his help when he's a part of everything. But effectively, yeah, I have you know, help take it over the lab, but he's still working. He's still owner. He still does his thing. And I just make sure that he has a day off a week so he can spend it with my mom and uh, spend time with my kids. So uh, that's the way it's kind of going now. They're headed towards their retirement years. And now it's time to expand the lab and expand our lives and, and get everybody situated. So 
safe to say we're done having kids and now it's time to, <laughs> to, to live our life, our family's whole, yeah. we got our boy and girl. And now it's time to uh, look to the future, which involves the school because, you know, we enjoy teaching so much that we, yeah, we take the time because I think that it's important. And I, I always tell my students, as I said, listen, I can be somewhere else. There's ways for me to obtain more funds. Everybody's so worried about finances and making more money, making mm -hmm. more money. But effectively, I know where I'm best suited. And a gift is a terrible thing to waste. And I believe that we have a certain gift in terms of the way that we teach. Uh, NOAA students are very reflective of that. I just hired three students because I'm very big wow. on giving opportunities to students that that show the the promise. I'm not big on their abilities, i rather start with a clean slate than change bad behaviors of a technician that's been doing this for a long time. So yeah. the school is such a big asset. And I also have a lot of friends that are prosthodontists and doctors, and I constantly have opportunities ready for them if they want it. Yeah. But my saying is this, success is at the point when opportunity and preparation meet. So if they constantly prepare for the opportunity and it's ready to present itself and I give them the door, only they can walk through it. Yeah. So I'm big on that. That's what I tell them the first day of class. And only, believe it or not, only select few take the opportunity and they end up being immensely successful. Really? That surprises me that not more do. So what, what do they do? So they go through the program and then they don't take you up on those opportunities. That's surprising. You want to know what it is? And it's something yeah, I about, uh, I think it's New York mentality. Uh, the younger generation on top of the New York mentality is basically some people don't cross the bridge. So when they live in New York, it's kind of hard for them to get over to New Jersey. They think about paying taxes in two states. You know, it gets a little tricky in terms of they don't have a car because they live in the city, so they don't need one. So a lot of the times, yes, it can be difficult for them to take the opportunity because they don't have means in order to, to even get to the location. So from that perspective, I completely understand that some yeah. people, it's not for some people, and I get that. But plenty of people have taken other opportunities because I'm not the only one there, right? Because... Renata has given opportunities. She has plenty of connections. There's other professors who have connections to other doctors and laboratories. And, you know, there's a, there's a chain email for everybody who's an alumni. There's, these are positions open. You guys looking for opportunities. And the department's always good at, with stuff like that in terms of giving people the option uh, or places to be and see the availability of positions that are open. Yeah, I appreciate you answering that. That makes a lot of sense to me because I didn't think about it as in like, yeah, you're living in New York, you're probably using the subway, you don't have a car. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. that. That makes a lot of sense now. How far away is your lab from the school? I can get to school with no traffic uh, <laughs> in, like, yeah, in like 35 minutes. But with traffic, oh, there's been times I don't get home for three and a half hours. Oh, God. Uh, inching the whole way. But uh, overall, weekend classes are easy. Honestly, you get there in 35 minutes, get home in 35 minutes, it's nothing. But it's just uh, depends on the time you get out. We get out and during the week, say we, class ends at four, you're going to take probably almost two hours to get home. Wow. God. So Natalie, you're teaching there as well, right? Yes, I am actually teaching there. I actually owe it to my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I always say that he tricked me into it. <laughs> oh. When I was a CLT at the, um, in the department, he actually trained me to help improve my skill set and my speed to obtain my CDT. Nice. I am certified, yes. Yeah. So as we became friends and we started talking more, there was word that they were looking for a denture adjunct professor. So he came to me and asked me if I ever thought about teaching. And I said, no, because I do not like public speaking. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So he said, oh, he's like, okay, so, you know, it's just, you'll just do lab. Lab is like 12 to 15 students. I said, I don't know about this. I'm, I don't, I don't like speaking. That's already too many people for me. So <laughs> just give it a shot. You know, I said, okay, you know, I'll, I'll get out of my comfort zone. I'll do it. I'll, let's do this. So came time for the semester to start. And uh, I find out I have a lab and a lecture. Hello. Hello. Surprise. Surprise. Yes. <laughs> Very surprised. That's why I say he tripped me. Uh -huh. But I got through it. The first semester was a little rough, very nerve wracking. But um, as the lectures went on and semester came to an end, I got more comfortable. Second semester was a lot better. And I love it now. I enjoy it very much. So what part are you teaching? Obviously, it's dentures. But like, what, how do your classes go? It's only a couple days a week. So it's once a week for, with a double lab. Each lab is two and a half hours each. Nice. Yes. So you're, you get to teach them how to set up and how to do everything. Yeah, they, it's split into two semesters. So complete dentures one is first semester where we teach them how to pour models, how to fabricate uh, custom trays, occlusal rims. Then it gets into the tooth setup. 
we festoon, and then the second half is when we do the rest. We invest, we flask, we process, uh, we do tooth repairs, fractures, relines, relines, sometimes some surgical stents to prep for other third, fourth semester classes that they may be taking. Wow. What's the worst tooth setup you've ever seen? Oh, God. You ever got people that just totally had like the lower teeth on the upper or anything? Of course, yes. We, we, <laughs> see, it all the time. we see it all the time. We've seen, uh, I got some horror things. I, I, I show it with no names attached because I don't have to. Of course. But uh, yeah, I'll show like like photos of cases from like previous semesters. Students don't know whose cases it is. And I'm like, you feel bad about your work, but look what was handed in. So like, <laughs> I do that a lot. It goes both ways, right? Just when you think it's the worst you've ever seen, you see somebody else say, like, oh, I'm not doing that bad. And vice versa. You think you're the greatest, but there's always someone out there that's better than you. So Yeah, absolutely. We kind of joke around and go through that, but I, we've seen it all. We've seen tops on the bottom, bottoms on the tops, as we say as a joke. Upside down? Yeah, upside down, left to right, uh, you know, so on and so forth. It's, <laughs> it's, roller coasters. Uh, yeah, roller coasters. It's all over the place, but... Oh, you know, nice. we do our best as instructors, and I feel like, you know, if we have good instructors, then we're able to, to move along. And trust me, it's like anything else. I mean, in any other profession, we bring people on sometimes in, in terms of teaching, and then only takes one semester to find out, like, oh, maybe they're not as qualified as they are on paper. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> so, but we have really good uh, faculty there now. They've got a great team, and uh, everything that I've seen coming out of the classrooms has been good. We've got a new facility I'm sure Renata's spoken about that already. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. Yes. We have what we need. We have the we have the, the staff for the most part. We're always looking for more, always looking for great people to come on board and teach with proper credentials. And then also uh, the space. I mean, we have such nice labs now and the ability to really incorporate more things. So I think uh, we're doing great. So what do you teach, Oscar? I've taught a little bit of everything, but mainly my thing, uh, like my wife said, is, is dentures. That's how I started my career. That's what I was known for in the beginning when I was doing the whole lecture circuit and whatnot. So I mainly stick to that, but I have taught the implant course. I have taught non-metallic materials. Uh, I've taught a whole slew of things. You know, I try to stick to what I'm comfortable with. I don't really like to stick outside of my comfort zone. I would never teach anything involving orthodontics. That's not my thing. Yeah. Um, I so I try to stay away from the things that I feel like I don't uh, have much to offer. I know my wheelhouse, so I try to stick to it. So you both teach removables? Yes. Yes, we both teach removables for, uh, yeah, yeah, basically. At the same time? Different, Different days, days, but same semester. So there was a period in time where I was course coordinator, part-timer. Things got crazy with the kids, so I had to give that up. But, um, you know, I developed a lot of curriculum and content. I did a lot of instructional videos for Rutgers Dental School back in the day, so I'm pretty good at video editing, so... I made a bunch of instructional videos that are on YouTube that people watch. I have a YouTube channel with like 5,000 subscribers that's tied to the school. I kind of just post things that I can, live cases, uh, a bunch of stuff. So I'm just really involved in terms of creating content, probably a little more than other adjuncts, but I just... I don't know. When I got into it, I was kind of like excited. So I just went crazy. Usually when people start posting, they post all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now that I have kids, I don't post at all. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, so, that will do it. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, but overall, yeah, we're big on dentures. We think it's the focal point. I tell everybody that comes on board and I said, listen, if you want to get into the full mouth rehab stuff, the conversions, the all on fours, you know, if you're a person who only does single crowns and small bridges your whole life, you're never going to be able to really tackle these large, difficult cases. Sure. So my belief is that the core of what I do and why we became so good at what we do. And, you know, evidently the lab is a sign of that that shows like, oh, wow, they, 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 something's going on. They must know what they're doing kind of thing. And I think that it's because our baseline was uh, removable work, honestly. Yeah. Can you help me understand when you say creating content? What do you do? Are you adding to, you know, what they're lecturing or are you changing things? Like, what? how do you yeah, basically how it works is we have a, a standard accreditation. So in order to be accredited, we need to cover a certain amount of topics within the curriculum and um, it needs to be presented to the students in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Effectively, what I did was I took all that information, saw what was needed, and I created all of my own PowerPoints and presentations that are used for all the lectures now in Ventures 1 and 2. Wow. I created instructional videos that go with those PowerPoints in order for that. You know what, you know what also helped a lot? COVID. Because yeah. <laughs> what ended up happening was we couldn't go into lab and now it was, well, how the hell are we going to teach these kids how to do anything by, with their hands using photos and text? Yeah. So I said, well, perfect. I recorded all this stuff. I met a guy and I made, basically made him a deal. I said, listen, I'll restore your mouth if you let me record the whole thing. 
So he said yes. So bottom line is my mother and I teamed up and we did the whole thing and I pre-recorded everything. So I actually have a case, a live case that goes through the entire thing for a semester and students get to see all the steps and all the clinical appointments as well as the laboratory appointments for that patient. So that's what I mean by content. I just kind of found everything I could, recorded everything, made instructional videos, made PowerPoint presentations with videos embedded inside of them. Just really, really high level uh, interaction with students from afar so that I can run these uh, courses uh, digitally, uh, remotely because of COVID. um, It ended up being very helpful because now in labs, all I do is Basically, my go at it is repetitions key. I play all my instructional videos. I have them muted while I'm talking, while I'm demoing. And that way, students never have downtime because effectively, they have a question about how to do something. It's already looping on the board. Yeah. So um, I show videos while I'm teaching, live examples, and I'm very interactive in terms of the way that I teach. Wow. That's intense. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. <laughs> but then they can go back and they can look at it again or go over it. And like you said, repetition, repetition, repetition. Exactly. Those videos are always available to them. Yeah. And they have access. And whether they have me or not for their lab, they still have, uh, I know a lot. All, almost all the lab professors use my videos. So they get to see it all the time, whether I'm there or not. And they have access to it. And I'm available to all students, not just the ones in my class. So they ask if they need help. And um you know, Natalie is, is like an extension of me. I was teaching before. So, you know, students like to take me. If they don't take me, they take my wife. And <laughs> and we're all, you know, very similar ways of uh, doing things. So, you know, students students feel comfortable in that way uh, between her and I. And uh, we have a good rapport with the students. And it's a good time. We enjoy teaching. Yeah. We wouldn't do it otherwise. It's, you know, it's a long trek back and forth. and um, But we do it because we enjoy it. Yeah. You must be there more than once a week no i'm only there once a, once a week that's it and you do all this in one day well basically like i said i'm, I'm a little i'm different uh <laughs> I, I decided listen all the curriculum stuff i did every single piece of it the videos the powerpoints the exams all of that extra stuff i did COVID. i was not necessarily compensated extra for it i got paid just like every other adjunct but uh i felt that it was something that was missing and i needed to do it so I did it. Wow. That's the way that I provide back to the uh, the industry. And I think that because I did it at such a young, where I was a professor by the time I was 24. So I think that my story gives students the ability to kind of see what other future is possible for them besides being stuck at a bench. Yeah. So I think that that's needed. I think that I needed to kind of put myself out there and just say, you know, I want to put something out that is I guess, for lack of a better word, some form of a legacy. I leave my name here. I put the videos. And no matter what happens to me, students will have access to this. And this will consistently push towards the future and allow us to grow the pool of technicians that are so desperately needed. And, you know, it was something that had to be done. So I did it. Whether it means that I had instant compensation for it or not, I feel the gratitude from people that really get what they get from our courses. And, um, you know, it's good to see students rise to the occasion. And there's plenty of students that have come after us that have done similar things that Natalie and I are doing. And uh, very proud of them. I can't know the words to say, really. Yeah, once you put it out there, man, it's out there forever. Yeah. Long after you did. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so, Renata, you still with us? I am, and I, I can't be more <laughs> proud of these two of our alumni. I'm just so appreciative of everything they're doing. And I have to tell you, they are very exquisite instructors that don't happen often. I wish we could clone them and have more of them. And they are probably most innovative team there is. And Oscar, the materials that he put together for students, I had the last semester, I had the pleasure of evaluating his lecture. And I was just sitting there excited to learn as if I was a student. I mean, it was so fun being in his class. And showing all the material, he did have a backup for every question, and he would come up with questions before students even could. But yeah, he had the videos and and his presentations and so interactive. It was very exciting to be in that class. It was so easier to learn visually because of all the content that he produced. And we don't get compensated. He's right for for creating that content. Unlike in other professions, you know, when you go to business class or English class, you might have a book, you might have the tests ready, you might have presentations ready or videos and anything like that. 
not in our profession. You know, if we want to have more interactive or develop content, we we just get to the bench and we, you know, instead of the bench to the computer and we just start creating. Hmm. And a lot of our faculty, you know, go through this and they create not maybe the different content, just put the content into perspective that the students can understand better. Pretty amazing. I just want to give a lot of credit for Oscar for creating this content, for Natalie to coming on board and and continuing uh, this legacy. And between the two of them, they really revamped our uh, denture curriculum that, you know, our students go out there and they are ready to be uh, employed and create beautiful dentures. And what I love most about that is that we need denture technicians in our industry so badly and it's the ones you guys are graduating sound like they are just ready to go so cool they still need experience i'm sure uh, like with you know with everything but they definitely have much better understanding and, and they know the language yeah when you gave oscar that first tour did you see this potential did you see it in this young kid coming in Oh, you know what? I remember it like it was yesterday and was still in the old building. And I just felt like, oh, they're going to see our old building and, you know, everything falling on our heads. They're going to run as fast as possible. But Oscar was so excited about this particular field. And I remember them talking about dentistry or dental technology. And when he decided to come to the program, I just... You know, I just knew that he's very technical and hands-on oriented, and he just loves doing all that. So he was a very special student, and there were a couple of uh, great students in his year, but he just took it to the next level. And even after graduation, you know, seeing him on a podium presenting for different companies and making these gorgeous dentures, he actually made the denture for my mom as well, which she's wearing to this day. And serious, that uh, is a compliment and a half. Yeah. <laughs> it was my pleasure, it was very cool. <laughs> so, I've met Oscar's parents on numerous occasions, and they're just the most wonderful people. So, let's talk about the school. I remember last time we talked, you still weren't quite open 100% because of COVID. Are we back 100%? We are back 100%. Awesome, nice. Nice. How's enrollment this year? Is it up, down? So for the past three years, uh, unlike many of other dental technology programs, we've been pretty lucky. We had uh, waiting lists. So we always had Mm. two extra students waiting to get into the program. Uh, So we were very lucky in that respect. So currently, this is the middle of the year. We have about 79 students enrolled with capability of probably 100 or a little bit over. And uh, we had 29 graduates. Uh, mind you, 79 students in be- is between the first and second year. Damn. Yeah. So we had uh, 29 graduates last year. And we had 40 employment opportunities that came through the emails and we sent out to students. But like you heard Oscar say, you know, he hired three uh, or four of our graduates. So maybe not all of these employment opportunities are even recorded, but out of the 40 employment opportunities, when you count 29 graduates, that's 1.4 opportunity per student. So there is no lack of opportunities for our students. We definitely create them, and we are known in the profession that we provide this service. I'm surprised there's only 40, because right off the top of my head, I can think of 400 labs that are looking <laughs> yeah. to hire right yeah. now. It was recorded, you know, on, on paper. But yeah. there are probably many others. And and I can assure you, 29 students out of 29 graduates, maybe half or a little bit more went into the profession, but the rest probably decided to go into higher education, you know, continue their education and yeah. uh, maybe other things. So I've got a question. How do you think, and I know most of the answer, but how do you think that you guys in your school is getting so many students and other schools are struggling? Like, how do you... You think it's word of mouth? Do you guys... Yearly podcast? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious, Renata. Definitely voices from the <laughs> The last five years created that, you know, excess. But uh, uh, no, you know, it's hard to say. Sometimes I always ask my students, how did you find out about us? Yeah. So I have to give credit to many of our other departments in our institution like dental hygiene, radiologic technology, and nursing even, who are, you know, we are together with nursing on the same floor in the building, 
But in the same building, we have all uh, other health professions. And oftentimes when students cannot get to the popular health professions, you know, they're being told, oh, maybe you want to try restorative dentistry. They might still have the, you know, spots open. Plus the advisors, you know, they, they started with like Natalie. She found out from an advisor that there is such thing as restorative dentistry program. And then finally, you know, word of mouth or people who know technicians or dentists, you know, and they directed this way. So uh, we've been very lucky in that respect, but it wasn't all the years that we had excess students. Sometimes we were lacking and we didn't have enough enrollment. And that always gives us chills because if the institution sees that we don't have enough students and our program is so expensive, yeah. you know, the cuts happen. And the, uh, just uh, last week, the chancellor of the university, which there are 24 colleges, now that we have to create tremendous uh, savings throughout the system. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everybody's going to be looking where we can make cuts. And our program seems to be doing good having uh, full-time uh, enrollment at this point. And I'm just so proud of you. That it's just so remarkable, you know, because we've known each other a long time. And, yeah. you know, we've seen a lot of schools close and you guys are just doing so amazing. So congratulations to all three of you. Thank you. And I have to mention that, out of the 13 programs remaining that are CODA accredited, because there are also a number of programs out there that don't maybe provide full scope of dental technology education and are not CODA uh, accredited, but out of the 13 programs, one is teaching out. That's Erie Community College right now. And so once they complete the, you know, the cycle with the students in the program, they're going to close the door. So it's really you know, concerning that uh, now we drop to 12 programs and we pretty much represent out of the 585 allied dental programs, which include dental assisting, hygiene, dental therapy, and dental laboratory technology, we account for about 2.2% wow. of, oh. of allied uh, programs in the United States. And when you look at the dental programs, currently there are 70 dental programs in the United States, 70. And then you have 775 advanced dental programs, out of which there's 47 prosthodontic programs. So 47 wow. prosthodontic programs, they're going to need technicians. Yeah. You know, and there's only uh, 13, 12 of us left now. So wow. it's, it's a really concerning issue. Yeah. Are there more programs for dental lab or dental therapy, whatever the heck that is? Dental therapy is the new field, and there are two CODA accredited dental therapy programs at this time. There's more in Canada, so they're more popular there, and this Uh, is mainly a hybrid of all the allied programs, if you will, and kind of a dentist to to provide services for the under underserved populations. So right now we have two, and I know that uh, that more were in the works. Well, I would hate to see there be more therapy schools than lab schools. <laughs> I don't even know what dental therapy is. That but... makes you wonder, you know, who is going to, to train the newcomers to the field, and yeah. how are we going to preserve that fundamental knowledge of dental technology for the new generations to come? So, Oscar, your videos are definitely going to be in that pool of the fundamental knowledge for the new generations you know yeah for sure you know what i constantly see i used to be very heavy on posting you know like elvis has said like i had to be I had to be all the time so i'd post on sure. instagram i'd you know be all over the place and uh, it got me a lot of recognition but now i see that since i've stopped all i see is people asking constantly on the facebook pages and everything saying i hired this guy i hired this woman but i don't i don't know how to train him I don't have any, what, what do I do? What videos can I find? Someone send me links, all, all this, this, that, and the third. I mean, with 13 schools, of course, that's what you're going to see. There's just people yearning for the knowledge, yearning for, is anybody giving courses? I had DSOs contact me about, you know, I want to teach the technicians how to set a little better. What courses can I send them to? Um, I got involved with Colzer, actually. We kind of got together with a few prominent techs in the mm-hmm. industry, and we kind of put a little binder together in terms of like analog denture stuff, right? Step-by-step things. Mm-hmm. Um, so like all this stuff is like, so needed. Everybody's so focused on the digital route that they're forgetting that, you know, we don't have the technicians to even support the digital route because AI is great, but it's not there. Right. So, no. so bottom line is, how are we going to develop these technicians so that they can help alleviate? Because bottom line is, we all know healthcare in general isn't going away. Everybody needs their health. Everybody needs their teeth. So where are the technicians who are going to supplement the technology who have a knowledge base? That's why I think the lab is doing so well on our end because my father was 
the hands. My father was the person who knew about the dentistry, who did years of at bench work. That's all he did. And you know what happened? I hired a very talented young man by the name of Andrew Pika. He teaches at the school now too. And me and him became designers. And with my father behind us, we were his hands. And we were able to really push the industry further in terms of, okay, well now he's bleeding his knowledge into us. And now we have bench experience and we're designing. So now yeah. we've created the breed that we've always been looking for. And without the schools, we can't, we can't do it. We need the, the ability to start with the core knowledge base and then expand. So I think that, like I said, I think, I think putting the stuff online, making videos, enabling everybody access to the knowledge is going to be key to, to replenishing the pool. How are people finding your videos through the school? I honestly, I don't know. <laughs> They're out there. <laughs> I don't, I don't promote anything anymore. Like I said, I'm very like the only people who have the links directly are people in my class because it's linked to the, the blackboard course. And I say, sure. you know, these are the links you can go watch them, but I guess people are finding them because I see that, you know, I have steady amounts of views on my Google account and YouTube and uh, people find them. I mean, some people find them useful. Some people don't, but ultimately it's just content. If you need something and you need to see how one person does it, then you can take a look at my videos. Not to say that there's not a better way to do it. You know what I mean? But they're there and they serve whatever purpose you need them for. Are you guys doing any digital dentures in your laboratory? I think you alluded to you were. Yeah, we definitely are. Uh, we invested in quite a bit of uh, equipment and things like that. I have, you know, that large industrial carbon printer. We have tabletop printers. I have a few mills. I just ordered a third. So we, we do a bit of everything. We mill dentures, we print dentures, and we still make dentures analog. Yeah. We do the whole nine because some people prefer the aesthetic value of a natural denture. Some people just need something to hold somebody over or somebody needs something that's going to be strong. So we mill it in one piece, hmm. you know, different situations call for different resolutions in terms of the prosthetic. So we offer sure. everything. Yeah. Natalie, what do you prefer, digital or analog? analog. Uh, right now, I'm an analog girl. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. I knew that was coming. It's a, it's a little more time consuming, but um, I do like the final look of it, so. And also, you said you really enjoyed the feel of the wax and the art, yeah. you know, and that kind of goes away in digital a little bit. Yeah, you're very limited on uh, what kind of root eminences and how natural you can make it look mm -hmm. when it's digital compared to analog and waxing it up and being being able to carve. Yeah, that's. I guess that's the downside of basically, I, I don't know if I call it a downside, but basically when you talk about digital, especially in terms of digital denture work, if you're the technician who's just kind of putting things together, then yeah. in essence, you're really not a technician because essentially the person who designed it, hopefully they have a dental background and they put the teeth in the right place. Yep. And essentially my synonymous thing is this. I feel like at times, and I'm guilty of this, we create machines. Because essentially, these are your steps. One, two, three. You do these all the time, and these are the steps you need to do. So you take the teeth. You put holes in them. You, you put bonding agent, and then you glue them to the base. And that's all you do all day. That person's not really a dental technician. You then remove that aspect and turn them into a machine because they only operate in one, in one manner. Yeah. So you know, we really need to get back to making technicians and not machines. Agreed. And are they doing digital in the school? Digital dentures, we give a course in terms of dentures one and two. It's mainly analog. I show things and lecture in terms of what digital can do, but nothing that is actually quote unquote hands-on in terms of digital. Dentures three, which is an immediate denture course, which is an elective. It's not a requirement. Me and um, Professor Pika, we changed that into a digital type of class. So now we show nice. how to digitally extract teeth, create a digital denture. Uh, we don't have the means yet in terms of creating those dentures and in terms of CAM, but we do teach the digital aspect. They set teeth digitally and they get exposed to it for sure. And what are the new students into? I mean, do they want digital? Are they craving it or are they just happy analog? It's, uh, it's like 50-50. Yeah. yeah, honestly. Is it really? Honestly, because like, you get people who come in because they, they're artistic and you know they feel that this is something that they're going to be good with because they want to work with their hands. And then I even have somebody who I recently hired who used to, who has a degree in computer engineering. Oh, wow. So I'm like, all right, perfect. Let's bring him in. Like he wants to learn how to do this stuff, tie it to dentistry, and let's uh, let's get it moving. So it is – I think, yeah, I agree with my wife. It's like 50-50, honestly. You get people who are interested in the art and then interested in the technology. Mm -hmm. I tell people the same thing. I said these are the three avenues. One, dentures because it's the core. Two, implants because eventually implants are going to be covered by insurance everywhere, and it's going to be simple as getting a regular crown. Yeah. And three, full mouth rehab and digital dentistry in general. Digital dentistry in general because everything's headed towards digital route. 
So those three things tied together, you're basically unstoppable. So have you two ever had to put an ad out to hire anybody? It sounds like everybody at the school works for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we have. You know what? You know what's crazy? Like I told you, I've hired people from Indeed and things like that. And we're, we're blessed from a perspective of, yes, I, you know, I, I see opportunity. I lay the, uh, I see potential. I lay the opportunity down and people take the opportunity. I would tell you that in total, in terms of people who I've hired in general, in terms of alumni, there are one, including me, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. about seven employees that were former students. Wow. So, um, so we, we definitely, you know, recruit from that way. And like I said, we have interviewed, we have hired people from outside and I tell you, it's very similar situation to bad habits and you can't break bad habits. People don't fit within our culture in terms of how we operate, that we're, we're a team effort. You know, we, I tell you what, between the 15 people that are there, we all touch every case pan. If something doesn't look right, we bring it to each other's attention and say, Hey, the shade is off. Hey, this doesn't contour right. Hey, what's this? And if we have to redo it right there, we do redo it right there. Our remake percentage is so low because we do remakes before it even leaves the door because I yeah. know that what it's supposed to look like and I QC everything and my eyes are on everything and effectively bringing students in and being able to train them from the ground up is much more advantageous for us. And we get, it's, it's more rewarding. We see, we see better results from doing that than, than hiring people who have bad habits who don't necessarily fit in as well because they're used to putting the blinders up. We get a lot of technicians who basically don't want to talk. They want to have their head down and they don't yeah. want to be told that their work wasn't good. Yeah. So yeah, hiring new. We've put ads out, but ultimately it never really works out that great. Um, We're all alumni. Uh, almost, team. yeah. Almost the whole alumni team. Very close to. Some people aren't. Some people are like assistants who came in and now yeah. they're doing dental tech stuff. But. Any reverse? You ever hire somebody and then they went to the school? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Actually, actually, that is, again, I bring up his name, Andrew, Andrew Pika. I met him because he was the cousin of a doctor I did work for. He wanted to be a dentist too. And then she called me saying, oh, can you come by the lab and see stuff? And I told him, you want to be a good dentist? Become a technician first. So mm-hmm. He became a technician and then he flourished so much and he got, he's basically following my footsteps. He saw the niche, he saw what was missing and he said, I'm going to focus on this. Wow. And now he's doing very well for himself. He's teaching. He's the head CAD cam guy at the lab. He's, he's killing it. And uh, there's somebody who was an assistant for my mother. He came on board and now he's the lead cam guy. And now he's doing that. And now he's going to be joining the school next semester because he's 20 years old. So uh, plenty of times that we push for formal education. We're all about education. I took my degree all the way to master level and uh, CDT, MDT, uh, bachelor's and a master's. And I'm big on education. family. We're big on it. And I promote it every chance I get. I push my employees to, to, to do it because it's only going to benefit everybody in the long run. So, Wow. What's it like working with your mom? Oh, I love Oscar's mom. Yeah. Renata has said multiple times she likes to watch her in action. <laughs> uh, well, from the sounds of it. So you guys, so you're doing her work. So that's a nice combination. You've got your dad on one side, your mom on the other. You know, a lot of people say working with family is super difficult, but somehow we have managed to have two successful businesses and all we do is work with one another. And yes, Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner, all we talk about is patience and teeth all the time. That's all we do. (laughs) That's our lives. And even at home with my wife, it's the same thing. It's like history repeating itself. Mm -hmm. But effectively, you know, I feel like it has done nothing but given us a common understanding of the life that we live and the things that we want to do for people. And, uh, you know, I, I find us that we, we feel like we're good people. We feel like we do as much dentistry as we can for people at no cost. We're always giving out favors. We're always doing pro bono dentistry and also offering opportunities on both sides. And I don't know, I feel like that all comes back. And, you know, I, I do believe that my, my mother at the core is just such a, such a wholesome person. And she's got a lot of values instilled in me. And, uh, she, she set that tone for me because if it was for my father, I probably wouldn't be here. My father would have put me on a different path. But now he looks at me. He says, thank God you listened to your mom. <laughs> I said, I, he set up for retirement and he's good now. And I feel very proud of uh, us as a family that we're able to, to do this together and put us in a place that my, my parents are good. Awesome. Are your kids enrolled in the school yet? <laughs> no. No, not yet. Yeah. <laughs> not yet. Yeah. We're not allowed at the lab yet. It's too dusty. <laughs> 
So Renata, Oscar mentioned a few times new hires. Is the school looking for new? We are always looking for new hires. And just like Oscar has hired many of our graduates, our instructors mainly compose of graduates of our program. So they oftentimes come back and teach for us. And, you know, as they are in the program, we oftentimes, many of us, Oscar, Natalie, me, and other instructors, we oftentimes tell them, you know, come back when you gain the experience and you want to teach and they, you know, they start thinking about it. So we put the seed early on. This has been a very successful venture to have them come back because otherwise it would be impossible for us to find our faculty, especially that we are within a senior college, senior institution. So their requirements are different. We require bachelor degree for our part-time faculty and master degree for our full-time faculty. We have right now five full-time faculty members and probably all together with part-timers, it's over 20 faculty members because we have certain amount of hours we can only teach as full-time and part-time. And you were asking Oscar Nali, you only there for one day? But the adjuncts can only teach nine hours per semester. Or why is that? Yeah, why is that? These are the rules. It's such a the, weird number. <laughs> these are the rules of the university. You know, part-time employees are considered, you know, part-time. And then the full-time employees have their set of hours in relation to the classroom, the service for the institution, the service for profession, the, the scholarship that we need to uh, provide so it's kind of you know different but the adjuncts cannot pretty much work more than full-timers in a way and they part-time so they have other jobs yeah you know sure so, so that's why it's limited on on hours and we have four or five sections of laboratories for each class and we each each uh, group of students that comes in has four classes so imagine four or five sections of four classes. So we have a lot of sections of those four classes, like up to 24 sections or 25 sections sometimes. And we need uh, instructors for all of them. So it's it becomes a lot, you know. We can only give that many hours to faculty and hiring faculty, it's, it's an issue. So we want to put plug in there, you know, anybody interested in teaching close to Brooklyn because, of course, it's in person in our laboratories. It's not a remote job. Please, you know, submit your resume and, and come meet us and let's see what we can do together. Yeah. I agree. Wow. What's new for the school that's happened in the last year that we should be talking about that, you know, maybe get some more people excited to join? Yes, absolutely. The program is thriving because we have enough students. We are all in person. So things are, you know, classes are happening uh, in the beautiful building that we have with all the beautiful equipment. We wish we could have more money for the, of course, the latest and the greatest and more chem printers and uh, mills and whatnot, and even computers, more computers in the labs. But that's that's kind of in the works. Things happen a little slow, especially after COVID. Sure. Things are moving along, so we can't complain. Like I said, you know, the, the university is going to be looking for efficiencies, so uh, there is going to be new way of doing business, so we're going to have to scale down a bit and, and see where we can create those efficiencies and we will go from there. Awesome. When does semester start? When do classes start? So usually they start at the end of August, like about 27 or so, 25th. And, yep. and again, about 25th or so of January. So so they run the end of August to before Christmas in December. And then uh, January about 27 to the end of May. So let's say someone's listening right now. Mm-hmm. Can they sign up and join in, in August or is it full already? Well, we hope it's full by then. You know, if we don't have instructors to teach the classes, we simply have to cancel the class. Yeah. So if anybody is interested, you know, we would be working with them now to see, you know, if they qualify and we would probably assign them to classes in August. And you got to have a bachelor's degree. You got to have a bachelor's degree. You got to have a CDT designation or actively working towards it. And you would have two years to complete it. And you have to have number of years of experience. And we probably would love to have five or more years of experience in the field. Awesome. Wow. Do you need anyone to teach how to run a podcast? Yeah, right. Um, You're going. Come on. I need a class we need to create just for you, help. <laughs> That's what I got. I That's what I can offer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> but for students, 
is there still availability to start or is it full? Well, we actually created a new class because we had a number of students failing, which was very unusual last semester in the fall. We started with about 60 students and we had over 10 students failing. So for them you know, to come back and retake the class, they would have to wait a year. So our chair, Professor Sina, came up with this creative idea to create a class now in the spring to run it so these students would be just half a year behind graduation rather than a year. And so we were able to admit few new students, like three new students, I believe, in those classes. So we're trying something new, and we're going to see how that goes. Hopefully, you know, there have been many failures, but, you know, the, the students come to the program with different kind of expectations. And, it, you know, some, some of the students don't have dexterity. It takes them longer to, you know, learn how to carve a tooth or uh, produce any kind of hands-on exercises. And others just take longer to pass the exams and things of that nature. So everybody gets a second chance at least. That's awesome. I love that, Renata. That's so great. You know, another thing that just came to my my brain as I'm sitting here listening to this is that I noticed in the past two semesters mainly that like there's been an influx of in terms of new students, right? First semester students, first year students, the number of, of heads keep rising, which is a great thing, right? 60 students is crazy because we weren't having that before. But you want to know another statistic that is nuts? When I'm in a classroom now, I'm the only male. Oh, wow, that's crazy. You're kidding me. I am teaching a full room of women. Yeah. I love that. Huh. So I knew that yes. you were going to think of that. Yes, I knew you were going to think of that. The, the paradigm is shifting. I see it. And, you know, obviously I'm, I'm married to a female technician and she's got some serious skills. And I think she's very good at what she does. And she's very clean and detail oriented, much more than a lot of the guys that I've seen. Sure, and sure. It's a great thing that they're getting more involved and that they're kind of you know, quote unquote, taking over because yes, two, two semesters running. I have not in my lab class have not seen a male and in a lecture class of 30 students, there is only one to two males. Wow. Yes, I agree. That's amazing. I've heard about the increase in female, females in dental school, but this is the first I've heard and it only makes sense. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty cool to see. And they're, uh, they're doing very well. And the work that I see them putting out for a semester you know, I always say, like, you guys see what I do. And they always ask me the question, how long did it take you to get like that? They see my work on the screen and they're like, wow, wow, wow. And I'm like, it took me, what, what six years maybe? And meanwhile, they're pumping out dentures the first time ever. And they almost look like my work. Wow. I'm like, this is crazy. Hmm. So, you know, what, what I always tell them, uh, you, you guys don't understand the advantage you have. Because if I had someone like me at your age, and where would I be now? I'd be even further successful than I am already. And I think to them, you have me, you have my wife, bleed the knowledge out, soak up everything you can. And I see the students that really do that. And oh my God, their work is very impressive. I'm like, your first first semester, you're doing stuff better than people have been doing this their whole lives. And that's a testament to the teachers that are teaching them. I was thinking that too. I agree. (laughs) And Natalie, you started this whole trend of females only. Good job. There you go. Awesome, everybody. Thank you so much. Oscar, Natalie, what a great story. Thank you. Thank you. Love what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Your passion is amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And Renata, always. Love you. It's a pleasure. (laughs) You guys, and congratulations again. I'm looking forward to the next 5, 10, 15 years of the podcast. Right. You know, we're gonna call. I'll see all you guys in Chicago. We're going to Chicago, yeah. so hopefully oh, see you good. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll see you then. Yes. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank, Thank you. Really. Bye. Bye. A huge thanks to Renata, Oscar, and Natalie for coming on the podcast and helping us celebrate our five-year anniversary. I tell you what, we never would have gotten the podcast going if Renata in Chicago, of course, in Chicago, five years ago, didn't agree to be our first guest. And guess what? Here's a bit of trivia. The first episode, Elvis couldn't figure out how to record everyone. And we used Renata's Zoom account. God, I can't even believe that happened, Elvis. (laughs) So yeah, it seriously wouldn't have happened without her. Thank you, Renata. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, we appreciate and love you, lady. And of course, Oscar and Natalie, thank you for sharing your story and for also sharing your passion for all of the new people coming into our profession. Because I tell you, 
without our passion, our industry wouldn't be what it is. Thank you, everybody. Awesome. And we appreciate everyone that's tuned in for the last five years. Yeah, and thank you. And all the guests that we've had. It's been an amazing ride. Barb and I do it because we enjoy it and we love our industry. And it's super sentimental to be at this point. So congratulations to you as well, my friend. Oh, absolutely. I would send you a, a cake, but you're going to be on a cruise ship. So. <laughs> yeah, heck yeah, I am. <laughs> ooh, ooh. When this airs, I'm going to be on a boat So with my father. So I'm super excited. All right, everybody. That's all we got for you. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Have a good one. Or what, is, what do they say on a ship? Au revoir. Tally ho, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Forget it. Arr! I don't know. <laughs> oh, bon voyage. Oh, bon voyage. That's what they say. Bon voyage. Yeah, baby.